One percenters, welcome back to another episode of the One Percent Podcast. I'll be your host today, David Nurse. Like usual, thank you for giving your time. You could be anywhere else right now doing anything else, but you're here getting 1% better yourself so you can pour into others 1%. And this week on the podcast, we are going to learn the art of charm, building genuine relationships, how to be a great communicator, building self-confidence from AJ Harbinger and Johnny Zubek of the Art of Charm, the podcast, the fame, Art of Charm, that's been seen on NBC, Men's Health, Cosmopolitan, Sirius XM, The Huffington Post, Time Magazine, and so much more. Johnny and AJ are going to give you ways to never feel awkward again. If you're an introvert, you don't have to worry. You can build genuine relationships. You can strike up a conversation with anybody today, and we're going to learn that on this week's episode of the 1% Podcast. So 1%ers, buckle up, get your charm game on, because here we go. Super excited to share with you guys that my first book, Pivot and Go, is on pre-sale now. AmazonDavidNurse.com, Pivot and Go. It's about making mindset pivots, small, slight changes in your perspective Little shifts that can change your entire perspective on life. It's based on 29 days, 28 to make a habit, 29 to make a lifestyle. There are 29 chapters, 29 mindset pivots that will absolutely have you coming out of there with extreme joy for the life you live, passion for the mission you're on, and confidence in who you are. So it would be awesome. If you could support the book, check it out. Let me know what you think. I'm going to be sending out a free autographed copy in the next month as well. It's on Amazon pre-sale. It's on davidnurse.com. Pivot and go. All right, AJ and Johnny of The Art of Charm, welcome to the 1% Podcast. Start us off with a bang. Both you guys individually, tell us something maybe the audience doesn't know about you guys. I think for me, probably the, the shocking thing for the audience at this point is that I'm a just foodie through and through and a fantastic chef. And this quarantine has given me ample time to practice my cooking. And my fiance has been the biggest benefactor of that. Tell me what you're cooking. What's your go-to meals? All that good stuff. Well, right now I'm I'm trying to master roasting a chicken. So wow. I've been looking into the research behind French style cooking and and how to get that crispy skin but that juicy inside. So that's Oof. been the the biggest one for me through quarantine. Over the last few years, though, I've I've taught myself sous vide, smoking meats, you name it. I try to master a technique. I think that has a lot to do with my uh, former life as a scientist, living in the lab, loving those experiments. So it allows me to work with my hands and create some experiments in the kitchen. You know what? Whenever you say French and sous vide in the same sense of cooking, like I know you know what you're doing. I was waiting for you to say air fryer, microwave, kind of like I'm doing. <laughs> so you're you're a step ahead. What about you, Johnny? What you got rolling? You know, that, that's an odd question for me. Because I, I, I tend to think that I wear my influences and who I am on my sleeve. And though I think... For a lot of people, when they first see me, they think of the rock and roller, the guy who has played all the venues here in Hollywood and who has lived that life and is also has taken time to discover himself in self-development. But I would say that probably 
people wouldn't know how far I've put myself into self-development and philosophy and psychology. Um, I, I tend to geek out on it. A lot of my, my, we were laughing about, you know, what was in our Facebook feed earlier. I tend to geek out on lectures, uh, phil, uh, philosophical lectures and psychology lectures are my favorite go-to. And I just, the internet and being able to have access to all those classrooms and all those lectures is wonderful. It's amazing. And uh, I spend a lot of time uh, surfing that stuff. I love the land your 1080, Johnny. <laughs> now I'm working on that. <laughs> That's deep philosophical stuff to 1080. But I love it. I, I love it, Johnny. And when I t- ask the question about how do you continue to learn and grow later on, I'm expecting some fire from you because I'm a, I love stealing from my guests. I'm I'm gonna steal some uh, Aristotle from you or something. So life life is about being able to adjust to situations that happen to us. And everybody has to make a pivot in their life. Like my pivot was, believe it or not, I thought I was going to play in the NBA at 6'2 and unable to touch the rim. I thought I was NBA bound. But I didn't realize my pivot was coaching and not playing. What have been the pivots in your guys' life that have led you to where you are today? Absolutely. The biggest pivot for me was out of science and into personal development and coaching. So I hit a a brick wall in my PhD studies where my social skills were impacting not only my internal happiness, but also the respect that I wasn't getting in the lab and my inability to connect with my lab mates to persuade them, influence them, and ultimately get my research funded. And it led me down this journey of trying to figure out how to be more confident, how to be more charismatic, which we'll get into in a little bit here. Uh, but, you know, I was just staying on the path that my family told me would make me successful. I loved science growing up, tested well in it, and got myself a biology degree and thought I was going to be a doctor. Then started to fall in love with research, slightly pivoted into research, and uh, I thought that was going to be my career and certainly make my family proud becoming a doctor. But really, I didn't realize the influence that relationships and social skills have on your career. And growing up thinking that just hard work and effort would pay off in the end, I realized that there's this invisible game going on around us in in every facet of your life. And it's all about who you know and how you're able to build those connections. And I didn't have those skills. And I certainly wasn't born with the network. My dad was an introvert. So I felt really limited in that area. And I had to make a pivot to one understand myself better, gain these skills, and to find happiness that I wasn't finding in the lab. You could have fooled me. You are very well-spoken. I would have never, never guessed that. But it's it's such a great answer for people to hear as you wanted to do what other people wanted for you and not what you wanted to do, but what others wanted of you. And hey, you know, you know sometimes like, that's what I say, if you're too smart, you're not always good socially, but maybe that's how you were. But you can adjust that. So everybody out there listening, you can work on these skills. And you guys have mastered those skills, as we'll talk about in a little bit. Before we do, Johnny, hit us with your pivot that you've had to go through. Yeah, for myself, David, much like your position, I grew up very early knowing what I wanted to do with my life, which was to play music. Uh, My dad played in bands. He was a factory guy, but on the weekends, I would watch my mom and him get gussied up to go to the show, the corner bar where he was playing growing up in a household where they rehearsed in the basement. Music was a big part of my household. It was always on. 
and seeing my dad carrying that guitar, of course, a, a young man is going to want to see that and, and connect those thoughts and, and take on after his father. Um, and I just enjoyed seeing that. Um, and everything that came with it, the, the, the ritual of waiting for the records of your favorite artists to come out and finally get those records, bring them home, laying on the floor, blasting them on the stereo, staring at them while you read every word, every song. And as I grew up, I put everything that I had into music. And I was already putting bands together in high school, trying to find underage places that would allow us to play. We convinced the corner bar to let us do an under 21 night on Sunday afternoons. And everything was about that. And of course, this was late 90s. I found myself in North Carolina. The college circuit and music scene was was a big thing at the time. And I, I found myself in the, the Southeast music circuit, REM, Black Crows, Driving and Crying, those kind of bands. And it was great. I was hanging out, partying in bands with people that I had been listening to, that, that I remember getting their records, and here I was in that, in that scene. Uh, but the, the music industry started to change. And in the late 90s, everything had it was not only it was changing it was rapidly changing to the degree that it was becoming unrecognizable and it was unrecognizable at the time and then looking forward it was no one had any idea what it was going to be and at the late 90s i mean we're we're, we're talking about myspace we're, <laughs> we're, we're, we're talking about limewire we're talking about friendster no one could even foresee what was coming down the road let alone what was going to happen for the music industry. By the time the 2000s were, were well moving, um, everything that I had grown up wanting to be a part of had, was gone. Was, I felt as if the rug had been pulled out from under me. And I had to make a decision of, I just spent the last 10 years of my life putting everything into music. Uh, and now it's gone, at least what I wanted to be a part of. So I turned to self-development as an opportunity to get to know myself because I had a lot of hard questions that needed hard answers. And with that, I'm, I'm a pretty obsessive person. AJ can attest to that. So one obsession just went into the next one. And I really enjoyed self-development. I got a kick out of it. I've devoted every waking moment of it. I just wanted to be around people who were all about it. I wanted to see everything that I could grow and become using the, the, the implemented strategies that I had learned about, having those results, wanting to help other people who were getting into self-development. And then from there, it had led itself into a career. And But all the while, I had never had to let go of music much like yourself i had found myself continuing to play music at a high level when I moved to new york i was in bands there playing when we moved out to los angeles i was in bands out here playing so always being able to continue doing both of the things that i truly loved at a level that was uh, incredibly gratifying and never felt that i had to 
really give one up for the other uh, and, and lucky to do both at such a level. That's great. I love the self-development, just nerding out about it. That's You are a one percenter. I mean, that's the one percenter to the max, just continually improving yourself in all areas. And you say that you went through 10 years of, and then, of music and then had to pivot on, but I'm sure over those 10 years, you learned things that are absolutely helping you today in what you do. 100%. And, and, and it's funny, I, have, I will always have this band rock and roll lens in which I view a lot of, of, a lot of life with. Uh, it, has served me, ser- uh, it has served me very well. And one of those aspects is when you look at bands like the Ramones or the Clash, these were young kids who did not know how to play their instruments. <laughs> and, and, but they decided that they were going to do a band anyway. And they were going to learn by throwing themselves on the stage and being awful. And they've made careers from learning by doing. And so for me, there was never any hurdle of what I needed to know or understand about self-development as a point of entry. It was, I am going to brashly just dump myself into it and and take it on and learn uh, in the ring. That's great, man. Speaking it into existence, learning by doing, and literally ready, fire, aim. That's a mindset I absolutely love. And you guys have built just an empire, the art of charm. Like I've been a big fan of you guys for a long time, and how you were. It's it's not just a passion of your guys, but it's helping a lot of people. And like AJ can attest to the. The confidence gene, the charismatic gene, is something a lot of people think you're just born with, but it can be developed. I teach NBA players how to develop it, but you teach everyone how to do it. Is there like a blueprint that you guys use? I know everybody's different, of course, but is there certain things you really look at and you're like, here is how you can develop ultimate confidence? Well, much like anything in life, we have to reset our mindset first. And a lot of us, when we think about confidence or charisma, we think about someone else and we pine about the skills that they have and we see them and elevate them in a different light. And a lot of times that automatically puts us a step back because we're not thinking about how we can improve, just looking at other people and their journeys. And we're all on different journeys. Some of us had a fortune of picking it up in our household, parents who are charismatic and confident and and well-spoken who you could mimic and learn from. And then some of us are forced through life experiences to be put in these positions where you really lean in and get those skills. But for us, it's twofold. First off, communication starts with your body language. And many of us, much like I'm sure the athletes you work with, we don't know what we look like in terms of nonverbals. We don't know what our shot looks like. We just know it from our lens. So that's one of the first things that we do with all of our clients is we, we film them. So they get an accurate representation of themselves, of where they're starting from. And a lot of times you'll realize, well, you're already doing some things right. You're not starting from zero. So it's not about completely washing away the board. It's saying, okay, how can we lean into our strengths and how can we start developing out some of these weak areas? And for a lot of us who are feeling like, oh, we're not charismatic or we're not confident. Well, if we're already feeling it, other people are feeling it too. So this, the second side of it is we got to look at the mindset and we got to look at the story we're telling ourselves. And unfortunately, a lot of us are living in the past. 
we're holding on to negative experiences and creating a story and a narrative for ourselves that's not grounded in reality. And what Johnny and I try to do with all of our clients is look at that story that we're telling ourselves. Look at those beliefs that are influencing our behaviors and actions and question them and look at them from all angles. And for a lot of our clients, they'll realize, well, you know, maybe there was another perspective that I could take about that event in life. Maybe it wasn't that that person was laughing at me. Maybe their friend told a good joke. And I know Johnny has a great analogy how we often take these experiences and we hold on to them and we make them about ourselves because we're, we're the own star of our movie. But if we look at these past experiences and start to change our narrative, we can restructure our beliefs and start changing our actions. And of course, that will lead to different outcomes. There's a lot of gold in that, AJ. Unpacking it a little bit, I love how you say lean into our strengths. So many people will focus on their weaknesses and think that's who they are, defined by their weaknesses. But we're defined by our strengths and then upping your weaknesses. The story we tell ourselves, this is the overall body language that we show off. It's, it's so powerful, so powerful in setting the stage of you're going to walk into a room, into a meeting, onto the court, and people are just going to know you're confident in yourself because you have true self-awareness of who you are. I'll just add to that. People will respond differently to you based on how you walk in that room. So it is a self-fulfilling prophecy. And that fake it till you make it as if principle, if we send the right signals, even though internally we may not be feeling confident, but if we send the right signals of confidence when we walk in that room, people are going to treat us as though we're confident and it's going to allow us to lean into that confidence versus walking in the room weak, sheepishly, well, people are going to view us as lacking in confidence and they're going to treat us differently. Yeah. The first step is having to decide I'm confident and saying it, saying I'm confident when I go in there. I love that. Johnny, I know AJ was stealing some of your analogies. Do you have anything to build on that? Well, absolutely. And much like success coaching, much like sports uh, coaching, everyone has to get to a point where they can admit that they can do it, that they can learn it, that, that they're, they're open to the idea of being coached in order to achieve something that they're looking to get. And it has to start with how you were raised and understanding that no matter how you were raised, there's going to be positives and negatives to that environment. If you were raised in a household where you had everything handed to you and and catered to you and you were protected, then you're going to have difficulty with struggle because you never had to deal with that as a child. If you were raised in a household that focused on academics, well, then you're going to be missing out on probably some of the at the hand eye coordination that some of the other kids had learned. If you grew up in a household that was focused on athletics, well, then perhaps some of the algebra and, and some of the other uh, things have, have been passed by you because you had been focused on what was supported in that household. I grew up in a very arty household where it was, I got so much positive attention for picking up guitars, for painting, for all of that type of stuff that why else would I start looking elsewhere when I was already getting attention in these areas? So once you acknowledge that, you can accept, okay, I've been focusing on these other areas. So now let's open the doors to some of these other areas. It's not that, uh, that I can't learn them or that I'm uh, I, incapable. It's that I have never 
applied myself to these. So let's open the doors and let's be open to small obtainable goals that allow us to know that we're moving in the right direction and that we are capable of learning some of these things. The only time that we tell ourselves and we write that story that this is not us or we can't learn it is from that fear of, of opening ourselves up to it and, and failing. And no one likes that, that feeling. So we tend to, to hide that with whatever excuses or cognitive distortions allow us to feel good in that moment to, to, to hide. Gosh, sounds so much like working with NBA players and with athletes, the same thing. It's like the fear is the thing holding them back. Just cut loose, let go. The worst thing that can happen is you're going to, I guess, fail, but you're going to be right where you started anyways. And I think I've heard it before that 98% of worst case scenario thinking doesn't actually end up happening, but yet we live in that 98% all the time. Blows my mind. Yeah. How many of us are best case scenario thinking? Right. actually visualizing things working out. Man, visualization, that is so real. I, every morning I have affirmations. I know I told you guys about this, affirmations that I'm speaking life into myself. I'm confident as it is, but I need to continue to do that. It's just like a, it's a daily habit that we all have to or that dark side of us tries to tell us we're not good enough or we can't do it. A lot of our parents, I mean, they're going to groom us into what they want us to be. And they're going to give us the positive reinforcement to follow those paths. So, you know, it is difficult when you're looking at trying to do other things and they're going to be disapproving. You're not going to get that positive reinforcement that you get it in other areas. That positive reinforcement, uh, it. It disperses oxytocin and dopamine and allows us to feel good. I mean, we we end up learning to, to follow that for the rest of our lives. We have to then be open to looking into other areas of our life where that positive reinforcement, we have to find it on our own. And that's difficult. Johnny, that's an amazing point. That leads us into what we're going to talk about next in relationship building. But you like we're talking about we we want that reinforcement from our parents. It's it's like saying, like, am I going to listen to my mom for advice in every single area? Is she an expert at every single area? Now I love my mom and sure she's great, but I'm not gonna ask her business advice or investment advice. And and that's the power in building relationships and what I call having a golden fifteen, knowing you have somebody in every area of your life that can help you out. I mean, obviously being genuine, not the dirty networking type of stuff, as you guys know too. But how is, I mean, it, it comes down to confidence in yourself, the self-awareness, and then how you deal with others, how you build relationships. And you guys talk a lot about that on The Art of Charm and building, and you talked about that earlier, AJ, about the importance of building genuine relationships. Do you guys have a, a step-by-step or a blueprint or some, some talking points on how you guys go about that? <sighs> you know that sound <clears throat> when you want a great night's sleep? Yeah. That's what you get from Chili Technology. Chili Pad and the Uller, literally the biggest game changer that I've ever used in my own life for sleep. I would not be promoting these guys if I didn't believe in them. Great people in the organization and just the product. Oh my goodness, the deep sleep, the REM. The, I just wake up 
recharged, rejuvenated every single day because I sleep on the Uller, which cools my body temperature to exactly where I want to be at. And the ideal temperature is between 62 and 68 degrees. I like really cold, like 58 degrees. And that cold, sleeping in the cold, as we all know, gives you a better rejuvenation, regenerative sleep every single night. It's like plugging your iPhone in. Would you want to plug it in and wake up with the iPhone being 75%? No. Make it 100%. And that's what the Uller and Chili Pad bring to you. And for you listeners, for you one percenters, I have a huge big time discount code to check this out. The links will be in the show notes on how to do that. If you want to sleep better, if you really want to have great sleep, which we all do, this is the answer. Yeah, absolutely. And it's really the core principle that drives everything that we teach at The Art of Charm. And it's all around the concept of giving value. In order to bring in a new relationship, to create a new connection, to find that mentor, we need to be adding to other people's lives. And unfortunately, a lot of us start by thinking, well, what can I get from this other person? And how can I take what I need to get ahead? And in reality, when you set yourself up in that position to be a taker instead of a giver, you're going to find that you attract the wrong type of person and you're going to find a lot of dissatisfaction when you don't get what you actually want. So we have to let go of that outcome and let go of looking at exactly as you were saying, the transactional networker, the opportunistic networker who's only looking for what's in it for me. And if that person doesn't have anything to give them, well, they'll move on to the next opportunity. When we talk about giving value, we define value as really three basic human wants and needs. Attention, acceptance, and appreciation. Attention is very easy. It's why we're on social media. It's those hearts that we're chasing, those thumbs up that we're chasing. That one, right now, we live in the attention economy, but a lot of us are very frugal with our attention. We're giving it to our devices. We're maybe giving it to our significant other, our spouses, our best friends. But when it comes to meeting people, we talk about boring small talk, but we're just not paying enough attention. We're not investing enough in the other person to move beyond that small talk. And that's why it's boring. And that's why we hate it. So putting your phone away, being fully present with someone, it not only makes you charismatic, but it fulfills that human need in the other person of of having that attention where they remember that. They remember you for the right reasons. The second thing that I talked about in terms of giving value is actually acceptance. And that's when we welcome people into our tribe. We invite them to do things with us, to participate in things, to help us out, to allow them to feel like, okay, well, I'm part of something. I'm joining a community. And it also signifies that you like that person. And a lot of us don't speak that. When we like someone, we, we are afraid that they're going to reject us, so we don't actually accept them. And the last appreciation goes even deeper. And appreciation is really celebrating other people for their victories and their wins and and what matters in their life. And you have to listen on a deep level. You have to have some empathy and emotional intelligence to get to that level of giving value. But when, when you are giving attention, accepting people into your life and appreciating those around you, then more people are going to want your time. You're going to set yourself up to create more networks and and connections than you can even handle. And unfortunately, a lot of us stop at the first level of just attention. And we get preoccupied and we go, oh, well, there's nothing this person can give me or, oh, that's boring. I don't want to talk about that. And I put my attention back to my cell phone or I start thinking about something else in my life instead of being present in the conversation. 
And then we struggle to make those connections and build that network that we're after. Love it. Give, give, give without expecting anything return and everything comes back to you. And I, I, I really I really love the point that you made about being fully present because that's one of the biggest challenges for myself and a lot of us in this era that we live in. And I heard something that said, in every conversation that you're in, be curious. If you can go into a conversation, be curious about something they're talking about, you're going to pay attention. So I try to take that mindset into this. That's great. I love how you go step by step, attention, acceptance, appreciation, and celebrate others. Like one of the hardest things to do is see others have success, especially in your field, and genuinely celebrate them. But you're right. You're right that you have to get to that point where you're just going to drive yourself absolutely nuts. So good. Something to add to that. When you hear what AJ had just laid out, many people get in their mind of, got it, give, be a giver. Okay, I'm just going to start doing that. That is something that has to be learned and cultivated within yourself from the inside out. We have been living in such a way of how we process decision-making, our emotions, and the older we are, the more we're set in stone and how those mechanisms work. When you are trying to change yourself so that you can be able to celebrate the people around you, which is a very difficult thing, it's not something you're just going to turn on. We're talking about, I always use this analogy of this barreling locomotive that is barreling down the tracks. You're just not going to stop it and get it going in the other direction. This locomotive needs slowed down before it even stops and then be slowly starts moving in the other direction. That sounds like a lot of work, but once you get it moving in the other direction, it it only picks up steam. And this is why so many people get frustrated with the idea of I'm going to be this new value giving person and they get frustrated and burn themselves out within a few days or a week because it is a lot of work. This is all brand new. These are behaviors and emotions and mindsets that you haven't used. And now you're, we're trying to string all of them together to make a different person. That's going to take time. This is where people need to have a lot of self-compassion for learning and cultivating these new mindsets and behaviors. It's great. And it's building those habits. And it's not become, not being overwhelmed with when something doesn't work right away that you just give up. And it's, I mean, it's once again, right on the 1% mindset. You were just, it's like I set you up for these, man. You're hitting these on point. But I, it's, it, what's that? Alley oop. Alley oop, yeah. Johnny's using basketball money. <laughs> Lob City out here in LA. Love it. Well, we talk about confidence and building relationships, and it's and you guys have been very well versed in it, and they're some of the best best at being able to teach it. But what drives you guys? What drives you to get up every morning and hop out of bed and just be ready to attack the day? Like what what is your what is your non coffee coffee? <laughs> well, we both have it tattooed on our body, so it's a, a mantra here at the Art of Charm that we talk about and. Everything that you want in life is through resistance. It's the hard things. It's putting in the work. It's not the easy path. And as Johnny was saying, that locomotive going in one direction, you know, we all live in our comfort zone. And these are habits and patterns in our behavior that have built up over time that allow us to feel safe and secure and allow us 
a level of self-acceptance and self-worth. And unfortunately, everything that you truly want that leads to happiness that we've heard from the countless psychologists we've had on the show and our own journeys comes through outside of that comfort zone. Efforts and energies placed on the hard things, the difficult things. And we call this B over A. And it's understanding that in order to rewrite those patterns of behaviors, it involves neuroplasticity. It involves wiring your brain to fire in new ways. And in order to do that, the first few times you try anything new outside of that comfort zone, it's going to be incredibly difficult. It's going to feel incredibly challenging and hard and foreign and new and new sensations and new emotions. But if you push through and you you choose B, the harder path over A, the easy path, the well-worn path, then those things that other people aspire to will start to unlock in your life. And, And people, again, will resonate with that. And they will get behind you and propel you forward. So instead of looking to take from other people, you become that beacon that brings in the right people and allows them to support you on your journey. That's great. And that is what I call surviving or sorry, thriving over surviving. We're not just getting through these times, but we're using these difficult, adverse, resistant times to actually thrive. And I love how you talk about getting out of your comfort zone. That's the only way to grow. Because when you look at anybody that's done anything in the world, they've always gone through some kind of difficult challenge. And yet, most of us still think we can do it without that. It's just going to be handed to us. It's never usually gonna many, be many difficult challenges. Many yeah, difficult. And it's going to suck. It's <laughs> yeah. going to suck the first time you do it. I mean, I, I've been thoroughly enjoying The Last Dance and the Jordan documentary. You look at Jordan, and even in the middle of his career going through the yeah. hardship and the loss and, and changing sports and then jumping back in and still losing. And we look at these people that we aspire to, we mark as great, as, as just extraordinary, greatest of all time, and they still have adversity. So who are we to think that we could just sit here in our comfort zone and get everything that we want? Yeah. And and think about it. I didn't even realize it took Jordan eight years to win his first championship. Like we all look at Jordan as this great NBA champion winning all these rings. Eight years is a long time. Yeah. For the youngsters listening, you look at LeBron. How long did it take him? Like championships are not handed to you in your rookie season. Exactly. And before we hop into mindset quotes, I got one you've probably heard that goes right along with that is there's no traffic jam on the extra mile. It's one of my favorites. It's about putting in that extra work that other people aren't willing to do, the unseen hours. So that's so good. What about you, Johnny? What, what, what drives you to get out of bed every morning? Just crush the day. To go along with what AJ was saying is to be able to turn the hard things into fun and what you got to do to be able to do that. If you're doing a new task or something that is difficult, you have to break it down into small, obtainable pieces and find enjoyment in the smallest of, of things. For myself, during Christmas break, AJ had asked me to look at social media. We hadn't been doing all that well with it. And we come from the mindset, if the show's not growing, the show's dying, right? We, we want to get out there. We want to to work on these things. And I had, both of us, I think, had an aversion to social media. It's just another thing that I don't want to get sucked into on the internet. I have enough of those things. However, uh, AJ had asked me to look into it over Christmas break. So I, was, I wasn't I was going anywhere. And, and so I was like, no problem. 
And he had sent me this deck by with Gary V. It was like how to make 64 pieces of content in one day. Now, and I opened this thing. I was like, no problem. And I get through two pieces and I just, I get overwhelmed. I get frustrated. I want to throw my computer out the window. And AJ, and I talked to him. He's like, listen, it's all in the Gary V stack. I'm like, hold on, man. I don't know social media at all. So whipping out 64 pieces of content <laughs> on multiple platforms that I don't play on is difficult. Let me just dick around with one. So I had taken over Twitter and I relentlessly just started beating on it every day, just with no strategy, just reckless abandon, just to see what would happen and start getting feedback. And lo and behold, many people started reaching out, uh, showing me things, sh showing all the, the work that I was putting into it, seeing a bunch of work that was, was for nothing or some, some being efficient. And one guy had actually hit me up and he, he's like, listen, I've been seeing what you're doing. I just uh, I wanted to reach out to you. I wanted to know what your strategy was. <laughs> <laughs> and I go, St strategy? I'm like, I don't have a strategy. He's like, oh, thank God. Because I thought you knew something that I didn't. He goes, do you have a few minutes? Let me sit you down and help you with this. And I was like, right on. And it was through those efforts that other people came to wanting to help. And of course, wanting to give back to all of those people. And it is that same strategy that I started moving into other areas to messing with, with those social media platforms as a way to try to get done. You're not going to get anything done by reading every blog. You're not going to get everything done by thinking about a strategy. You're going to get things done by going recklessly at it and just give it all you can because the feedback is what you're going to need for you to be able to course correct. Without it, it's all hypothetical, it's all speculative, and it's all for nothing. Yeah, you just got to get your hands dirty and just go. So many people just wait till the, the bow is so perfect or everything is just so in line, and then some other little change comes. Just go. I love that so much. I mean, for, and then for myself, it's like I'll write AJ in the morning and be like – Here's these small wins. Like we're moving in the right direction. It's like, oh, well, great. Now that we have an idea how that works, let's put a little bit more resources behind that and see where it takes us. And we use that feedback to determine the, the directions that we're going to put those resources in. But without it, it's all speculative. It's, it's all for nothing. And yeah. you have to be able to celebrate those, those, those small so numbers. Good. That's so good. Celebrate the little wins. Like you guys' mindset is just on point with me. It's like you should have wrote the book Pivot and Go yourselves. It's perfect. And hey, Johnny, I'm impressed. You got into Twitter. I mean, you gave up MySpace and you got into Twitter and became yeah, well versed. Um, gosh, it's a talent, man. <laughs> Ten years to become an overnight success. You know it. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna throw you guys on the rapid fire hot seat. So whatever comes to your mind, spit it out. We'll start with you, AJ. Is this the mode we've been going in? Do you have a favorite mindset quote that you live by? Something on your fridge, tattooed on your body? <laughs> <laughs> well, outside of B over A, which is tattooed, legacy is greater than currency. And it's something that I try to remind myself of, especially in the downs. And, and obviously, through quarantine and our life being turned upside down, it can be difficult at times when everyone seems to be measuring themselves based on currency but realizing that at the end of the day, 
when you're giving and, and you're changing people's lives, that is what lasts. It's not the numbers and cents in your bank account. So when I'm faced with a challenge, when I'm feeling down about myself or feeling the struggle, which we all feel, I think back to the legacy that I'm creating. And that comes through the lives that are changed from the listeners to the show, the participants in our coaching programs, and just literally over the last decade of working with thousands of clients who, much like myself, struggled in that charisma and confidence department and felt like they were being held back in their career, held back from the relationships that they want and understanding that you can learn these things. Uh, For a long period in my life, especially through my 20s, I just thought I had to play the hand I was dealt, the shy introverted guy who didn't really make an impact. And going through the transformation on the other side, I just remind myself that that legacy is greater than currency. That's so good, so good, Johnny? So there's an author I like, his name's Howard Bloom. And ever since I read this quote, it's one that I live by. AJ hears me say it all the time, which is the truth at any price, including the price of your life. And the reason I say that is that that you quickly learn that everyone that you know in your life, including your loved ones, are going to lie to you from one time or another. Maybe because they, they feel it's the right thing for you or they don't want to hurt your feelings. But regardless, we can all... We can all sit in that fact that everyone is going to lie to you at some point. However, there's one person that lies to you more than anybody, and it's yourself. And you need to be able to question the thoughts that you're telling yourself because therein lies all the answers. Yes. Awesome. Okay, next one I got for you, AJ. You already set this one up perfectly. What does legacy mean to you? Leaving a legacy, not necessarily what's on a billboard But what is legacy to you? Legacy to me is what's said when you leave the room. It's what is said not to your face, but it's how people feel. And I think in general, it can be difficult at times. Again, it forces you to choose the hard things. But for me, that's being a person of integrity, being honest, as Johnny said, not only with myself, but those around me. And that's what's made me a good coach, a a good business partner. And I think ultimately it's going to make me a great spouse in understanding that I have to be honest and I I have to show up for people. And when you do those things, everything else falls into place. Spot on. Love it. Johnny? I think this goes back to what we were talking about earlier of what are you going to do? There is no legacy if you just continue to hypothetically think about your what you're going to do and, and how you're going to do it. It's about the work that you put in, and that will be left there. People are, will take notice. Even if your work is, man, that guy tried as much as, as hard as he could, that there is a legacy that's going to teach a lot of people the, the act of perseverance and resilience. So laying it out there, putting it out there, you cannot care about the how everyone's going to perceive uh, the work that, that you want to leave. It's great. Spot on. I agree with that for sure. Okay, if there's one person in history that you could hang out with for a day, who would that be? I guess it could be alive or dead. Uh, my answer I'll give you is definitely Larry David. I would love to hang out with him. <laughs> Okay. Who you guys got? Was not expecting that, uh, being a basketballer. I, For me, it's Benjamin Franklin. And it's one, I just feel like 24 hours spent with him, I, I would learn a lifetime. And uh, my passion for 
engineering, ingenuity, invention, and so many of his one-liners and quotes have just resonated with me over the years. And I know we've talked about the Benjamin Franklin effect on the show. I just think in general, he's one of those remarkable people that 24 hours with is bound to change your life. Love it. Uh, there's so many, but as of right now, considering what happened in the, over the weekend, it's got to be Little Richard right now. Um, the man had broken every barrier that there was when it came to music, rock and roll, race, uh, uh, everything. I mean, to be a gay black man, to plays like that from the church in Macon, Georgia, and to do what he did in the time that he had done it, I, he didn't leave any he didn't leave any barrier up and once he crossed them he torched them i mean the, the the rest of the trails were were easy for anybody else after he rolled through man two great ones you guys blew away larry david all right <laughs> he's number two for me okay yeah that would be quite fun that's one of the best shows there is kirby enthusiast absolutely and now everybody's binging every single show possible during this time which is if you haven't seen Shit's creek you need to check that one out that one's we could talk about that later, but yeah, oh, you haven't seen it yet, Johnny. Johnny. And you, you can't forget Seinfeld. I mean, oh, classic, absolutely, no doubt. Guys, how can we all follow everything you're doing? Everything at the Art of Charm, obviously the podcast, the website. How can we follow all you're doing on Twitter, Johnny? Or every everything <laughs> uh, you guys well, got. I'm using the, the the front end handling social. So if you jump on any of our social, you'll be chatting with. Uh, usually me and then also for fun i go live every weekday morning at 8 30 on the art of charm on twitter periscope and youtube and i'm giving daily ponderance chatting about topical news items from a self-development and psychology lens that's great i'm gonna dm you like crazy when you're on there 8 30 got it marked it down Hey, what does the final question I have for you guys before I let you off the one percent podcast in the hot seat? What does being a one percenter mean to you? To me, it's focusing on what is that thing you can do better each and every day. And sometimes those gains will be huge, and a lot of times those gains will be very small. But it is truly the compounding effect. And those people who understand what I'm saying are nodding along. When you factor in compounding, whether it's interest, whether it's knowledge, it is small gains over the long haul that lead to huge payoffs. And you can look at all of these successes that we look at as overnight successes people look up to, and they're all products and results of the compounding effect, whether it's Bill Gates, whether it's Steve Jobs, whether it's Elon Musk. It's that little improvement each and every day that leads to the large payoffs we're all looking for. So good. Being patient and persistent, the compounding effect. So good. Yeah, I'm certainly not. I have nothing to add to that, AJ. <laughs> I thought you were just going to say your name. I mean, you've been throwing all these 1% steps and the personal improvement. No, that's that's a great answer. That's spot on. Pouring into yourself 1% daily so you can pour into others. You guys are absolute lights. Like I could talk to you guys all day long, just getting juiced up about it. Thank you so much for coming on the 1% Podcast, sharing your knowledge, confidence, relationships, and just overall personal growth. 
You guys are awesome. Thank you for having Thank you, us, brother. Thank you. And that's a wrap on this week's episode of the 1% Podcast. Thank you so much for giving your time to me and listening to the 1% Podcast. Without you, none of this would be possible. The feedback, the reviews, the ratings you give this podcast help to grow the audience and the reach for us to be able to bring on new guests each week and provide that 1% daily steps we can all implement from top NBA players, high performers, and just from amazing people doing amazing things to better this world. And it's all because of you. If you could, I will shout you out, personally thank you, leave a review on iTunes or the podcast app on your phone. Five stars if you love it, one star of course if you hate it, and leave a comment of what you liked about it or questions, suggestions that you might have. Post on social media and tag me at David Nurse NBA, and I will repost the reviews the podcast gets. I'll shout you out personally for sure. Thank you so much for being the best community, the best family, the best 1% squad. So blessed for all of you out there. Now go out there today and speak a word of encouragement to someone. You can and you will make a difference.